right, well, good evening. You know what that music means. It means it's 6 p.m. And you are about to start listening to Sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Jan Luca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. And sitting with me is one I made earlier. Um, it is David Bowie's birthday. He would have been, I think, 73. Born in 1947. What's the maths? 73 years old. I'm, I think. Uh, you know, David Bowie made his last two records. Um, the next day and Dark Star at a uh, now gone sadly but it was an iconic recording studio called The Magic Shop which was on Crosby Street I want to present to you today in honor of David Bowie's 73rd birthday a few words about him from the engineers and a story a documentary I made a, a radio audio documentary I made around its closing and um, and that studio david bowie loved that studio so in honor of his birthday i'm going to be playing uh, a documentary on that i'm going to start off though uh, by uh, playing uh, some david bowie uh, off his last album uh, called dark star um, the track's called sue and you're going to hear a voice pop up and that voice is kabir Harmon, who engineered uh, dark star and he engineered the next day both uh, his David Bowie's last two uh, records. So, uh, yeah, all right, hear it if enough said. first day he turned up oh he comes up he comes in the room and you know he uh introduced himself and met everybody and then we kind of got to work oh after how long oh not long i'd say like maybe hour with like kind of getting everyone comfortable and meeting each other he did make us aware that he was sick that first day and uh but that was about you know he told us that he was sick and that was really about it. Like, we didn't talk about it anymore after that. But he, that, that was part of the initial meet and greet. You said you want to the virgin on your for your I can't imagine it was more than an hour or so before they really started getting in. And it, like you were saying, like, first day thing, there's always, like, feeling out of personalities and stuff but David is so good at like he's just so smart and so funny that he can like interact with everybody and it's like like Tim Lafave, the bass player he's hilarious like really funny and him and David could trade jokes back and forth
Oh yeah, it was stuff. it was incredibly smooth. Yeah. I mean, really, you're describing a, a session that every that every every engineer dreams of sessions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Turns up and gets along and records and then. And I think that yeah, that's a testament to everyone involved in the project, like that it went that smoothly. Is like you know, Kevin is an elite engineer, just you know knows exactly what he's doing. Tony's a legendary producer, knows exactly what he's doing. David is just next level human and then uh all the band is just phenomenal and so and then i know how to work the studio and so i know make sure everything's running smoothly chris and aaron help me with that as well so uh. i think just yeah everybody firing on all cylinders and getting along like you're saying really just made yeah. it go smoothly i'm happy to call everyone on that session a friend like i've done so many sessions where i was like well yeah you know i i know you now and like but i'm i would say friendly with everyone on that session so well, well that musically, it seems very intimate. Yes, but. yes. They were playing together, you know, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't like layering parts and everything. It was like... Yeah, it seems quite emotionally raw. Mm-hmm.
right, yes, Sue, or in a season of crime, by birthday boy David Bowie, here at Sitting with Jan Luca and Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, if you've just tuned in and missed the beginning of the show, I'm going to celebrate David Bowie with a documentary about the closing, the sad closing of uh, the record, um, the uh, recording studio, The Magic Shop, where he recorded his last two albums in. I personally am going to get a little bit weepy during it because I worked at the, I spent so much time there in uh, in the early 90s, in the first year that it opened, as or the second year that it opened, as a matter of fact, and um, I, I worked on a lot of wonderful sessions, uh, Sonic Youth, I worked on uh, the Ramones, a Ramones session. Uh, oh, who else? Suzanne Vega. And uh, Della Soul with the James Brown band, minus JB, but with the whole band, including Macy. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm digressing. <laughs> I'm not credited on any of those records because I was working for the studio, but um, but I was there. So I shall get weepy. Um, Steve Rosenthal, who owned the Magic Shop, um, and uh, John and Yellow, who we will also hear from, um, you know, I, I knew them when I was a wee little young lad, just starting out, and um, they are, are dear friends of mine, and uh, we're going to start off, I'm going to play some more David Bowie off his second to last album, the first time that Bowie recorded at the uh, Magic Shop the next day and then it's going to like segue smoothly I hope um, into the um, the um, the into John and Yellow uh, super producer uh, indie producer um, and uh, he is talking about what he loves about the magic shop and he starts off talking about David Bowie as a matter of fact John Agnello, just so you know, is a um, an amazing, a very, very well-known indie producer. Um, Kurt Vile, if you've listened to any Kurt Vile records, you know John Agnello's work. Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., The Whole Steady, and uh, Thurston Mort from Sonic Youth. Uh, just to name but a few um, other people that he has produced. If you've heard any of those records, you know John Agnello. I'm going to move on out of the way and just do, uh, just let the Magic Shop Recording Studio do all the talking. So here comes birthday boy David Bowie and the next day.
guys would wait by the door and when they saw him coming down the street they would automatically just open the door so he wouldn't have to wait out front at all. From his side of it the door would just magically open. There wasn't two people waiting looking at a security you know camera. It would just happen. He said at one point that it, he felt like a secret agent. You never know what mysteries a grubby, ramshackle door covered in graffiti holds behind it. But if you'd walk past the one on 49 Crosby Street in downtown New York City any time in the last 28 years, you might just have been a throw of a hat from the Ramones or Arcade Fire. It was also the centerpiece for Dave Grohl's HBO series on iconic recording studios, Sonic Highways. I built the magic shop right in 1987. That's four-time Grammy Award winner and studio owner. I'm Steve Rosenthal, the owner of the magic shop. It was sort of right in the middle of the squeaky girl music Madonna explosion. So that meant it was electronic music. There wasn't a lot of live rock music being made or live music being made anyway. And I wanted to build an old school studio. So I built this room where people could play it. And it was very hard in the beginning to get people to come here. And then in 91, we did Dirty by Sonic Youth, then we did Mondo Bizarro by the Ramones, Lou did Magic and Loss, and Suzanne Vega came and did a sum of 99.9. And those all happened literally one after another. 
And at the end of that run, then I had a studio and I had a business. But one release came out of Seattle that completely annihilated the 80s music scene and ushered in a new era of gritty rock and live music recording. Everything changed after Nirvana. I mean, we had a blast of a time here after Nevermind came out because the record companies couldn't figure out why that record sold. So they just kept throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at bands and at guys with, you know, uh, flannel shirts. And they funded so many great records that we had a wonderful time here for at least four or five years where there were just amazing rock bands making records that were very much on the edge. When I first started doing alt-rock records in like 90 and 91, this was the one of the cool, hip places to go, and there was a certain mystery about That's it. That's freelance producer John Aniello. Some of the artists he's worked with include Cindy Lauper, Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., and The Hold Steady. John Aniello, producer, recording engineer, record mixer. And quite frankly, the place got so busy with so many great artists that you couldn't get time in here. In 1992, I called uh, for like just a small, to do a single with a band called the Gigolo Ants, a four-day session, and they had the time available, and it was great. Hey, little you, why do you walk around like on the streets? Do the sights and sounds make it feel so small? What can you do? I went through a list of all the records I'd worked on, and I came up with like 45 or upwards of 45 different projects over the 24 years. You know, it's interesting thinking back over the time. I would roll in here, you know, every few months I'd be in here for a couple of weeks. An artist can walk in off the street, walk through hey, the lobby, and straight through to the ground floor back room, and in an instant be surrounded by a huge selection of mics, keyboards, and guitar amps. And a killer vintage recording console at the ready to capture every whim. It's time to introduce the real majesty of the magic shop, the Neve Series 80 wraparound recording console custom-built in the 70s for the BBC by Rupert Neve, one of the most pioneering sound engineers. Guaranteed you've never seen anything like it. It's not flat like most consoles, but curves up in front of the producer and wraps around him like a half-moon. Working at it's a physical experience. It has real, well-worn buttons and knobs that click when you press or turn them.
In its 50 years, the console's had tens of thousands of hours of producers and engineers mixing at it, and it has a broken-in look, rather like a favourite leather jacket. And it sounds great. It's warm and intimate and so accurate that some producers barely even have to touch the EQs. The sign said headshots And that was all A picture of a boy And a number you could call When it's at work, the buttons and volume meters give out a warm, almost relaxing glow. In recording sessions, when you lower the lights and stand behind the console looking out through the studio glass into the live room, it's like being in an airplane cockpit. It's seen and heard everything that's ever happened at the magic shop. When I walk in the door and I sit at the console and I start listening to music, and it sounds wonderful, and it's, the energy is great, and the console looks unlike any other console I've worked in. It looks like the Starship Enterprise. It's just an awesome feeling. Most control rooms are clean and uncluttered, but the Magic Shops is more like a living room. A plastic Spider-Man hangs from the ceiling over the couch and a model dinosaur and Gene Simmons doll sit on top of the recording console. A couple of lava lamps bubble on the ledge of the studio glass and you can rest assured that the once red carpet is the exact same one that your favourite artists have walked on. It's more like a place you'd kick back and watch a game in than record a multi-platinum release and that's really the whole point. When you close the doors and turn down the lights, you're in this amazing womb, and it's very nurturing, especially nurturing for making records that are wonderful and special. If you are relaxed, you can genuinely be more revealing. And so the records that are great, right, are the records where people reveal parts of themselves that they haven't before. So most of the time, people need to be comfortable. However, there are some artists who like the tension and feed off the tension. I did a Lou Reed record. Life's like me and a soda. And life's like space without room. And life's like bacon and ice cream. That's what life's like without you. Lou was somebody who really wasn't that interested in having a great time. It was tough going with him and he was not you know into that sort of hippy dippy let's all be happy having a groovy time here he was like wanted it to go a certain way and there was a certain tension in the room which worked for him so you know as a producer or as a studio owner you have to be able to respond to that and know what that sort of mysterious sort of vibe is for your particular artist. And the studio has to be able to move through those kind of situations and offer the artist the ability to do that.
soda And life's like space without room And life's like bacon and ice cream That's what life's like without you Life's like forever becoming But life's forever dealing and hurt Now life's like death without living That's what life's like without you Sanskrit read to a pony I see you in my mind's eye Strangling on your tongue What good is knowing such devotion I've been around I know what makes things wrong What good is seeing our chocolate What good's a computerized nose And what good is cancer in April Why no good No good at all Just tuned in, by the way. You're, oh, I don't know, a half-ish or so. Uh, kind of, sort of, in the middle of sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. And uh, I am Jan Luca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. this evening. And just so you know, we are broke. Uh, our lights flicker if you have any jingly-jangly in your pocket. Oh, please help us out. It, is, it would be really wonderful. There are donate buttons everywhere. We also have a drive to five. Um, look that one up because for good donations, we have really cool prizes, actually. I mean, we don't only have coffee cups, etc., and we do, and they're really awesome. But we have wonderful T-shirts, 
by real cool artists, including the uh, Cosmo Vinyl, who is an ama- who, who who managed and uh, toured with the Clash. Yeah, that the Clash. He lives in New York. He likes us. He loves Radio Free Brooklyn, and he did us a really good turn by designing. Uh, a limited edition Radio Free Brooklyn t-shirt. So please check it out. Drop a bit of jingly jangly in the pocket. Drive to five uh, if you want t-shirts and some paraphernalia. But, you know, we will take anything, nothing too small, certainly nothing too big. If you have no money whatsoever, oh boy, do we understand. Uh, but maybe you can share us, like us, tell your friends and uh, and like that. Or, hey, download the app too. That's free, and uh, you can take us on the road, and also play us to your friends, and, uh, and like us on uh, all social media, etc. And uh, oh, and then you can hear lovely uh, more documentaries and more interesting guests that I will be having um, here at sitting with Jan Luca. Talking of which, uh, Steve Rosenthal uh, is an interesting one. We are um, about halfway through also the documentary that I made. Uh, four years ago when the magic shop closed the um what's good this thesis comes from lou reed's album magic and loss recorded at the magic shop he recorded two albums at the magic shop actually first one was magic and loss the second one was set the twilight reeling uh also a wonderful album and it was produced by magic shop owner uh, and wonderful producer himself, Steve Rosenthal. And here's Steve Rosenthal telling us about what makes what uh, made the magic shop uh, different than other recording studios. Most of the records get made here are played records in the sense that what you have is a room full of people who are interacting live, right? And interacting and creating something in a communal way. So it's a different process. It's like capturing a vibe. It's capturing the interaction between great musicians. nice collection of tube microphones. Steve gives a tour of the live room. We also have uh, some STC microphones. Those are ribbon microphones. Those are the two cabinets that I built for Sonic Youth and the Ramones um, very early on in the life of the magic shop. Basically, the idea was to be able to put the amps in the, the room and so people could play live, but you wouldn't get so much leakage on the other instrument. 
It's like a playroom. There are panels on wheels that can be moved around to make isolation booths, and almost any option is within arm's reach. And then you can see all these vintage guitar amps that I've collected over the years. I am a bit of an Anglophile, so there's a bunch of Vox gear in the back, Super Beetle cabinets, there's an AC30. If it's in your head, you'll find something to play it on. There's a, a, a pump organ, a Hammond organ with a Leslie. There's two Wurlitzers. Uh, there's a tack piano, which is all over Viva La Vida. Here's a quick lesson on how to convert a stand-up piano into a tack piano. Open it up and put a brass thumbtack in each one of the 88 felt hammers that hit the piano strings. It gives it a crisper sound. Took the tax out for the Billy Joe and uh, Nora record, Foreverly. Right, we so did to get uh, that very vintage, detuned sound. That's Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong and Nora Jones. In a vine-covered shack in the mountains. I'm Gianluca Tramontana, and you're listening to A Magic Door, the closing of an iconic studio. It's a dear one who's weathered my sorrows. Is that silver hair daddy of mine? If I could recall all the heartaches, dear old daddy, I caused you to bear. I'm a black star, way up on money, I've got pain. I see right so white, so open hearted pain. I want equals in my daydreams, dying. David Bowie enjoyed recording his comeback CD the next day so much that a couple of years later he returned to the magic shop, stricken with cancer, to record his farewell release, Black Star. That little corner where that light is, um, it's kind of David's little corner. That's one of the magic shop engineers, Chris Shirtliff. My name is Chris Shirtliff, and I'm a staff engineer at the Magic Shop Studio. Music stand set up, headphone box, his guitar and his amp were set up just in case he wanted, he had the inclination to play. Um, and then his vocal microphone was set up over there. So he wasn't in the vocal booth then? No, 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 he was out in the room with the musicians. Most of those guys have kind of spoke to that, that it really elevated, it felt, they felt like it elevated their performances having, having him performing right there with them. And what was back there? Drums? Drums. So yeah, drums on the riser, and then uh, Donnie, the sax player, in the back booth, that, in the back right corner in the studio. Jason, the keyboard player, we had his own little area right here where there was about like eight, eight to 15 keyboards surrounding Jason. So he had everything at his disposal at all times. It was really cool. 
Yeah. It was really fun to see because we didn't, you know, you'll see like two or three keyboards, you know, at a time maybe. But this was like a considerable, you know, he had two Wurlitzers behind him, you know, three or four synths. Um, his clav, it's incredible. It was a really awesome setup and he obviously knew how to use all of it. Look up here, I'm in heaven. I've got scars that can't be seen I've got drama can't be stolen No one knew it at the time, but not only was black star David Bowie's final farewell, it was also the magic shops. Black Star was released in January. Two days later, David Bowie died. And two months after that, the magic shop closed its doors for good. Victim of rising rents. I've got nothing left to lose. I'm so high it makes my brain whirl. Drop my cell phone down below. This is a magic shop's basement in its last 48 hours. While John Aniello's producing the final session upstairs, Steve, along with one of his house engineers and an intern, are sorting through the equipment in the basement's mixing and tape restoration. Okay, so this thing can go, and then if these are all the Natalie Merchant tapes... David Bowie's Lazarus, recorded upstairs barely a year before, is playing on somebody's yeah, it says iPhone. Piano and vocal. This is all the stuff they wanted us to trash. Okay, so do I need to text Michael? Yeah, I just, yeah, clearly I want to be sure. Okay. Steve's wife Jennifer stops in to help out. Yeah, that's, that's right. I want to give the uh, Library of Congress all the, I, I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She and Steve start packing up the office. This the says Magic Shop notes. Press. Wow. This right. is Rock and Roll Hall So this will go uh -huh. to the Hall of Fame, too. Paperwork and mementos are spread out all over okay. the place. This Good. is like sort of articles written about the records that were made here. Just about anything you pick up off the floor has some yeah. sort of musical history yeah. attached to it. Tracy Bonham, she's coming. She's coming to get her tapes. Jennifer picks up a random piece of paper. It's a printed lyric sheet with handwritten notes scribbled in the margins. This is the Nora and Billy Joe record. I picked that writing on Roving Gambler. I am a roving gambler. I gambled all around. Whenever I meet with a deck of cards, lay my money down. Lay my money down, lay my money down. I had not been in Washington, met him all weeks and three. Met up with a pretty little girl, she fell in love with me. She fell in love with me. 
While the basement's being sorted through, John Agnello, who we heard from earlier, is producing a new band. It'll be the last ever recording session at the Magic Shop. I'm Alaska. Um, I'm from the band Alieska, and we're recording our first album here uh, at the Magic Shop, which is, this is going to be the last session. It just has such a vibe, this space, and, you know, obviously it's housed... um, some of these great people who are making music here, like, you know, Bowie and Lou Reed and Sonic Youth. So it's just kind of, uh, it's got this crazy feeling to it. And Steve's really cool and creates a really cool community amongst everybody here. So that's sort of, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm a newcomer in that it's very strange for me to come to do this. My first album at the last, you know, the last time that this place will be having music recorded here. Quite frankly, I've been trying to keep upbeat, and I certainly don't want there to be a dark cloud over the, the record. I, I, you know, and I want, I'm approaching this record like I approach everyone, where we have fun and it's creative and we're enjoying it. You crazy kids. While Steve's packing things away in the lobby, John Aniello steps out of the session for a sec. Uh, yeah, hang in there, buddy. Love you, buddy. I love you. I'm so happy you're here. I know. I feel really. It's okay. I mean, it's really great that you're like just in there working and like <laughs> everything's going on. Yeah. Right? No, it's good. That's yeah. the way it should be. Yeah. You know, we'll work until they yeah. kick yeah. us out, and that's the end of it. Obviously, the backdrop is a very sad and a kind of end of an era situation. You know, this is a great place, and even though tomorrow it will not be taking bookings, anybody who worked there knows how special it was. And you can't take away the memories, and you can't take away the records that were made here. For, for my discography, you can't pull out any of the records that were made here and say they didn't exist. They existed. You know, the Jawbox, the Buffalo Tom, the Kurt Vile records, um, the Hold Steady records, all those records. That, uh, more recently, Streets of Laredo, these Alieska guys, Twin Peaks. You can't take any of that stuff away. That exists, and it's part of history, and this place was fundamental in, in a lot of just great music for 28 years. This is a console a week later. A wealthy music fan, an amateur musician, bought it, along with all the microphones and instruments. And it's being taken apart to be shipped out. It was really depressing. We're sitting on the drum riser, looking out onto a completely bare studio, the day before the landlord takes his keys back. I'm Steve Rosenthal, and we're inside the live room at the Magic Shop, which I still own for the next 36 hours. I actually saw them uh, uh, 
starting to take the console out and it looked like an alien autopsy video. Like the console was on its side and they had taken out all the modules and yeah, it was kind of disturbing. So I didn't stay very long. Looking at the walls, I remember when uh, Burning Spear was here and the uh, uh, guys came up from Jamaica that they spent like hours smoking weed and blowing it up the walls to make sure the walls were cool. And then it came down to the office and they were like, Yamath, it's cool. <laughs> the magic shop is cool. I was, I was really happy about that. Because right now there's just bare walls. So that's kind of a story that pops into my head about the actual walls. What's the threshold at which a place can be saved? In other words, you think about all the amazing, all the amazing artists and music that got created in this particular space, and that wasn't enough for it to be saved. Um, you know, money destroyed it, gentrification, all the things that people rail about. But, you know, we have to sort of figure out some sort of metric by which a place like this, whether I, whether I would have it or not, is sort of irrelevant. You know, at a certain point, places give back to the city a real lot. I really wanted to make it 30 years for some abstract reason. And I got pretty close, you know, I got to 28 and a half, which I guess is close enough for rock and roll. There's a bit of magic in everything And then some loss to even things out Some loss to even things out I'm Gianluca Tramontana, and you've been listening to A Magic Door, the closing of an iconic studio. And then some loss to even things out. I want to extend a special thank you to owner Steve Rosenthal, who gave me full access at such a difficult time. When you pass through humble, when you pass through sickly, when you pass through I'm better than you all. Also, Chief Engineer Kabir Harmon and engineers Chris Shirtliff, Matt Boynton and Eric Gorman. When the past makes you laugh and you can savor the magic that lets you survive your own war. As well as interns Alex Sloan and Anne Genberg. And there's a door up ahead, not a wall. Special thanks also to producer John Aniello and the band Alieska, who let me into their recording session. As you pass through fire, as you pass through fire, try to remember its name. When you pass through fire, looking at your lips, you cannot remain the same. And of course, a big thank you to all the talented artists who recorded at the Magic Shop over the last 28 years. There's a bit of magic in everything And then some loss to even things out Some loss to even things out Some loss to even things out There's a bit of magic in everything And then some loss to even things out
yes. Oh, I got weepy. Um, yeah, well, all right. I did get a little bit. Oh, that brings back so many record memories. I wondered if I added up all those hours I spent in those two years. I literally never left that place. And, you know, with people like Marianne Faithful coming in and Sonic Youth and the Ramones, why would anyone leave that place? So, um, yeah, so uh, the early 90s, uh, I, I saw some wonderful... Um, records get built up from the ground up and it was uh, just amazing so anyway if you've just tuned in you are listening to uh, sitting with jan luca here at radio free brooklyn it is the first i just realized it's the first oh and happy birthday david bowie by the way this is really a david bowie birthday tribute 73 years young today um it just occurred to me this is the first sitting with jan luca of uh 2020 and i have to really like um, Chris Teeley and uh, Michael Daves singing a Jimmy Martin song called 2020 Vision and Walking Round Blind. I went to the doctor, he says I'm all right. Walking round the blind 
line. All right, yes, 2020 vision and walking round blind. Oh, I do I know what that means. Anyway, if you've just tuned in, you've just missed sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, I have been Jan Luca. I've been sitting with you celebrating David Bowie's birthday um, since uh, six. Uh, o'clock. I'm going to move on out of the way and let Sam come up with Teens Take the Mic. Um, I really want to thank you for listening. I would really love you to get in touch with me. Let let me know, please, what you thought of um, of me doing airing some uh, pre-made documentaries. Um, you know, I'll keep doing them as long as uh, you keep listening to them. So uh, please let me know. Um, sitting with GT is my Instagram uh, thingy me what's it and uh yeah like that um I, I really want to hear from you i reply to everybody also if you have requests and things and bits like that the other thing is i'm going to be on the road uh for a couple of months traveling to some very very cool places with my recording equipment first stop is Italy. Uh, I'll be going to some really cool places and um, I do have guests lined up. I will be recording them and they will be, um, and then I will be uh, posting them right same time, same place 6pm every Wednesday at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com The first stop is going to be Italy and uh, I'm interviewing this wonderful songwriter called Andrea Tarquini. And I am going to play out with uh, one of his songs um, called Monete. dentro le giacche se hai lasciato monete dentro tasche segrete cosa troverai pezzi di naftalina per pagare una cena immaginare la scena e lei come sarà ma come sarà questa sera se le piacerà
segrete e sei solo tu cerchi dentro le giacche se hai lasciato monete dentro tasche segrete c'è la vita che fai Tell my baby man and she don't come. Tell my baby man and she don't come. The dancers and horsemen that show can help her none. She got a 38 special order, be what's more to life. 38 special order.